Welcome to the Homework Collective. I'm Pat Ward. And I'm Taryn Mao. And today we're going to be talking about the importance of an apology. It seems like a no-brainer, but many of us don't know how to apologize. We don't understand how a lack of apology can impact our core, our important relationships. And also, we don't understand the benefits of a good apology. So we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about that today. Yeah, you know, an apology is a gift that we can offer. It's a gift we give ourselves. Um, when we apologize, it actually is allowing us to heal when we take responsibility for our yeah. actions. It's a gift we give the other person when we offer an apology. If you just think about how it feels when someone takes responsibility and apologizes to you. And it's a gift that we give the relationship because relationships can't really reconcile and heal unless we're accountable to our actions. Um, and so that actually comes from Dr. Harriet Lerner. We're going to be talking a little more about her work a little later today. But we hope that you tune in and listen to what a good apology is, what a bad apology is, and that you're excited to learn how to apologize. There are many reasons why we need to apologize. Um, when we feel like we've hurt someone in a significant way, like with a betrayal, we've talked about betrayals before on this podcast, um, we likely need to apologize more than once. We need to apologize often. And so it, it just takes time to heal from these kinds of wounds, right? It's not like a, oh, sorry, I, you know, forgot to fold that blanket again yeah. or, you know, whatever, some silly example like that. It's, it's like a, a major wound to the relationship. And so sometimes um, when betrayals occur, we need to apologize often. And I think that that's something that we'll talk about a little bit more later. Yeah, this episode. sometimes those wounds from betrayals last even longer because apologies prolong the pain. So yeah. important stuff. Absolutely. And the information that we're going to be pulling from today, um, we borrowed from Dr. Harriet Lerner's book, Why Won't You Apologize? I love the title of that book, right? Because it's so real. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, often we do look at the other party who hurt us, like someone we're in a close relationship with. And we ask that question, why won't you apologize? Right? Like, and I think in a relationship, we're really good at, at pointing out the things that other people do wrong. Right? Like, it's just easy to point fingers and blame each other. Um, and sometimes in a really beautiful way, we're able to hold up a mirror to our partner and say, hey, I, these are some of the things I'm seeing. This yeah. is what's really hurtful. And it can be a, a really beautiful experience of healing and help us grow. But I think in a lot of ways, we kind of hold that mirror up to someone's face who hasn't asked for that mirror, right? And right. they're like, ah, here's all the things you need to change. Here's how you've hurt me. And that can be yeah. really, really painful. And so rather than focusing on what your partner or what somebody you're close with has done to you and why won't they apologize, we're going to focus on ourselves, right? And the actions we yeah. can take to take responsibility for our yep. actions. Um, so Dr. Harriet Lerner basically says there are nine ingredients of a heartfelt apology. And I just love that language, a heartfelt apology. Um, we're going to jump in. We're going to go through nine different points here of the, the nine ingredients. And we're going to start with number one. So number one, an apology, a heartfelt apology does not include the word but. <laughs> and that is so hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. But I mean, but I'm going to use the word but. Um, <laughs> if you think about it, when you apologize, the moment you say the word but, it cancels out 
everything that was just said before, yeah. right? Yeah. So the, the moment we do that, I mean, often what follows that word but is usually a criticism of the other person, some sort of justification as to why we did what we did, or an excuse. Yeah. And it, it's just really interesting if you ask somebody, working with couples, if you ask them, what did you hear just now? They only hear that last little bit, the criticism. Yeah the justification, the excuse. They don't hear the first part of the apology because it's not a real apology. Yeah. It's not a real apology. And we apology. can come with all sorts of eloquence and like think through things before the but part of our apology, but but even then it still goes out the window. So if you find yourself like nearing a but in your apology, it's probably good just to stop there and, yeah. um, and let it be heartfelt. Let it resonate. If you need to talk about the setting or the reasoning behind it, or the context for what happened later on, there's always a chance to, to do that later on. But it's probably good just to just to lead with the apology and stop before you get to the word but. Absolutely. When I hear the word but in an apology, it's like the noise a screeching car makes that's about to crash. <laughs> so that's yep. that's what I hear. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. Another crash is a number two. So number two, uh, the second ingredient of a heartfelt apology is to keep the focus on your actions and not only the other person's response. A lot of times in our apology, in our apology, we move really quickly from taking responsibility for our own actions to starting to lay blame on other people. That's where apology moves in from from repairing things to creating new layers of conflict from, you know, of, it moves on from creating a new place of connection to just just more division and more arguing. And so a, a heartfelt apology comes from a person who's taking responsibility for their own actions and is stopping short of talking about how the other person may have caused it or may have reacted to it and where they may be wrong in that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think the other person maybe didn't respond the best, right? But that's their yeah. responsibility to take responsibility for their own actions and their response to you and apologize on their own, right? I, I cannot focus on how they responded to me. Right. I have to focus on what I did in my own actions. Well, number three, then, um, an apology always offers reparation or restitution that fits the situation. And that little caveat at the end that fits the situation is really important, Um it's just important to provide that corrective experience. So this is a, a real life example. Say you shrunk <laughs> your husband's favorite shirt in the dryer. This was like right after we, we were married. So like, this was like, uh, we were learning those roles as newlyweds. Um, yeah. You know, an offer of reparation there is like to offer to actually replace it. Right. And then to not just right. offer to replace it, but to actually replace it. Right. Right. I mean, right. that would provide that corrective experience. Like that's me owning up to my mistake, what I did and saying, I'm going to make this right. Um, another yeah. example I've heard is like, if you forgot to return someone's Tupperware, like yeah, just return their Tupperware. Don't go out and buy them a whole new set and, yeah. and, and <laughs> over apologize. Right? right. And so right. like it fits the situation is like when we're um, over dramatic and this goes into number four, when we're overdramatic, it takes the the focus off of the person who's been hurt. Yeah. And it makes it about me. Yeah. So we're in number four would be not overdoing it when we apologize. Do you want to say more about that, Pat? Yeah. So you don't you don't have to follow the person around and continue to apologize. It doesn't have to be this this cloud that hangs over um, the situation from then on, because eventually it begins to feel like manipulation or it begins to feel like just being stuck, 
when we're overdoing it. And there, there's a temptation to this sometimes, especially if there's been a, a big offense or, or a big betrayal. Some things you can't just move on from. But, but apology is just usually the first stage of creating a sense of connection where there's been brokenness or where there's been conflict in the past. And so we got to figure out how to, how to push forward and move on. So sometimes that's restitution, like you're talking about, buying another shirt or figuring out some kind of appropriate way to, to deal with things and put them to rest and move forward. Sometimes if things can't be restored, I mean, if, if, if something really has been broken, trust has been broken or something's been lost that can't be regained, we, we need to move towards restitution, maybe in saying, hey, next time I'm going to slow down and I'm going to listen to you more. Or next time, let's let's carve out time to really have a conversation before we get into this stressful situation again where, where my actions were so wrong. Or, you know, let's let I'm going to find somebody else outside of this relationship to hold me accountable to this so that this doesn't happen again. And so we don't we don't have to keep apologizing, um, but we can start moving forward in some practical ways, too. Um, so don't be an over apologizer. Make sure the apology fits the situation. And um, the other thing, number five, is um, don't get so caught up in who's more to blame or who started it. I think, you know, that is that's one of the things that that still kind of keeps us there in in our in um, stuck in one place. And a lot of times when there's conflict or something's happened in a relationship, there is blame to go around. And it, it usually the things that are worth apologizing for are complicated. Um, but don't offer an apology just because you think that 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 if you take your blame, then the other person is naturally going to take their blame. That's not a heartfelt apology. That's, that's some form of manipulation. And so, you know, don't get caught up in who to blame or who started it. Just accept the actions that were caused, the ones that you, that are regrettable and you don't want to repeat and then apologize and try to move forward. Yeah. It also just moves in moving into number six means that it requires that we do our best to not repeat our performance, right. Not to repeat the thing we did. Um, and and that actually, I mean, when we do something and then we attempt to make that change and we don't have a repeat performance, we're actually rebuilding trust. Yeah. Cause when we, when we continue to do the same things over and over, and I think we're all guilty of this, especially if, if what your partner, you know, whoever is asking you to change is something totally out of your wheelhouse. Like it, it's just something that you've never had to do before, but they're asking you to do it because it's important to them. Right. It, it's really hard to not have those repeat performances, right? We have to put a lot of intention into that. And it also just shows that person that, um, I mean, apologies will lose meaning if, if there's right. no action, right? That's we have right. to prove that we really are owning up to, you know, what we did or what we didn't do. Yep. And, and especially in situations where there's been, you know, habitual infractions or where there's addiction, like eventually apology is not enough. And even just having the intention that you're not going to repeat the performance isn't enough. I mean, we got to say, hey, it's time to put some practical steps in place to make sure we aren't back at this place over and over again where you are apologizing for the same things. And so if, yeah. if at some point we've got to be aware of that. Yeah. I mean, using the phrase, I'm trying, <laughs> like I'm trying, yeah. you know, sometimes that's not enough. Like trying sometimes it isn't enough. It, we have to train ourselves to think about these things. Yeah. Yep. The next two ingredients are, are really about like who's being served by the apology 
Um, it, it is a benefit to us to apologize, but it's not always just about serving our needs or what needs are at the, at the surface for us. The first is in, a, in ingredient number seven says it should not serve to silence. So um, if somebody's still acknowledging what's been hurt or still trying to work through things, and oftentimes people will cut things off and say, hey, I said I was sorry. I apologize. Why don't you just move on? Sometimes we, we use an apology to, to, to serve our silence or serve our need to, to kind of get out of an uncomfortable discussion or uncomfortable situation and really just shut things down. And that doesn't that doesn't open a doorway towards more connection. It actually it, 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 it actually has the opposite effect. And so apologizes. Apologies shouldn't serve silence. And then the other thing is that it shouldn't serve to make us feel better at the risk of hurting the other person more. Um, because apology is should be um, should be an honest assessment of what's happened. Sometimes the person we need to apologize for isn't ready to hear it or isn't ready to be in that kind of raw, vulnerable conversation with us. And we need to be sensitive to that. Um, if, if you feel like I've got to apologize just to get this off my chest or I've got to apologize just so I can sleep tonight, um, even though this person's told me they need space. Like that's not a heartfelt apology. It's something that serves your anxieties at the expense of somebody else's wounds. And so be sensitive to that. Uh, a lot of times um, trying to apologize and trying to force it um, quickly is going to be something that's going to negate what you're trying to say with the, the apology in the first place. Yeah. And these two, um, an apology should not serve to silence and it shouldn't be offered to make you feel better. Um, and these we should point out if there's been a betrayal, these are really important. Right. I mean, yeah. so I think oftentimes when we've betrayed someone and there's that shame there and they're talking about how hurt they feel, sometimes I, I can serve to silence them. Right. Yeah. Because I'm like, I don't it's shameful. I don't want to hear you talk about how hurt you are because I don't want to face the fact that I just betrayed you. Yeah. And, and then same thing, you know, shouldn't um, be offered to make you feel better. I mean, if the other person is in a really raw and vulnerable place. And they're not ready to talk about it. Like you were saying, Pat, we need to respect that. Yep. Um, okay. Last ingredient, number nine, a heartfelt apology does not ask the hurt party to do anything, not even forgive. <laughs> this, I think, can feel a little uh, weird, a little strange, because I, I don't know about you. I was taught, like, forgiveness is something we should work to do. Uh, but I mean, truly forgiveness is really not about the other person. Forgiveness is about us. Mm -hmm. Right. And so yeah. if I am working to forgive someone who hurt me, that's work that I am doing. And I shouldn't necessarily ask someone else to forgive me. Yeah. I shouldn't ask them to do anything until they're ready. Yeah. Now there is a workable way uh, as a part of an apology to say, Hey, if there, if there's, there's more that you need, to forgive me or to feel safe with me again or to feel heard by me. I want to know that when you're ready to tell me that I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm eager to hear that there's it's different of, of having a posture of openness towards it rather than just saying, okay, now I did my thing. When are you going to get over this? When are you going to forgive me? So yeah, really important. Yeah. I think it's important to acknowledge that, that when it comes to apologizing practice makes perfect, the more that we do that now don't go out and screw up so you can apologize more, but the more that we apologize, the more that we try to be disciplined to have a heartfelt, real apology the easier it is for us the more that 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 kind of gets baked into the dough of our marriage of our relationships of our important you know connections the easier it is to come to a place of saying hey i you know i can take action i can take ownership of these actions without throwing in a butt in there or without you know expecting or needing anything from you and so it is something the more that you work these ingredients into your apologies the easier it is for us to create 
um, some good opportunities for connection instead of conflict. Yeah. And we're modeling what a good apology looks like. I mean, we're modeling that to your family, to your kids, even when you apologize to your kids, right? Because we do yes. need to apologize to our kids because we're not perfect. Yes. And if they don't learn it from us, they're going to learn it from politicians who are horrible at apologizing. <laughs> they, always, they always have a butt in there. They always have an excuse. They always expect people to move quickly to forgive them. So we, we really need to um, teach people how to do this. Yeah. So I think... Honest. That's a great segue into we're about to give some good examples of bad apologies versus good apologies. Um, so we're going to jump in. I'm going to offer a bad apology. Pat's going to give you the good apology. Okay. So <laughs> Pat's going to come in and be the wise, wise party here. So, okay. I mean, let's just say that I told a really offensive joke about Pat in a group of people and I go to apologize because he seems like he's offended. So a bad apology mm -hmm. would be, I'm sorry if you were offended. <laughs> Emphasis on the word you. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's a bad apology <laughs> because some people would consider that gaslighting. I mean, it's like saying, Hey, this is not my problem. This is your problem. So I'm sorry that you were offended. Uh, you're such a, you know, sensitive snowflake that you were offended by my, my crass humor. Um, it just it, feels it so bad. It feels yeah, so it, bad. It does. It feels horrible. And it doesn't, it does makes things worse than makes things better. And there's no accountability in that apology. There's no, there's no clarity. There's no, there's no ownership there. So instead of saying, I'm sorry if you were offended by this, just to say, Hey, I'm sorry. I made a stupid joke. Even if I thought it was hilarious, if it was offensive to you, I don't say this in the apology, but even if internally you were like, I thought it was very funny comedy, but this was, this was offensive. So I'm going to take ownership for it. I'm sorry. I, I made a joke that was um, stupid or I made a joke that was, you know, ill-timed or I made a joke at your expense and I'm sorry. Yeah. And then stop before you say, but absolutely. Next bad example. Let's say we had dinner plans. I was late or missed the dinner plans because I'm, I'm busy working. So a bad apology here would be, I'm really sorry I forgot about our dinner plans, but I was so busy at work today I didn't see the time. Yeah. It's got that it's got the key word in there, but so that's what makes it a bad apology. So stop short of that. I'm really sorry I forgot our dinner plans. You don't you don't have to roll on. That way somebody can 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 understand that that you acknowledge something was regrettable. And so I'm really sorry I missed dinner. I know that you don't like it when I do these things. I know that that this is something that was upsetting to you. I know that you were looking forward to this and I'm really sorry. Full stop. Yep. Kind of a, a similar example would be um, an example of, you know, maybe spending too much money. A lot of couples struggle with this where one party mm -hmm. maybe spends more than the other. Um, a bad apology might be, I'm sorry I spent too much this weekend. I'm trying to change, but it's so hard. Yeah. Yeah. And it, just giving an, an excuse um, oftentimes negates what's going on with the apology as well, or the acknowledgement of something that was wrong. Um, so a good apology, a good version of that would just be, I'm sorry I spent too much money. I'll do better next time. Um, sometimes it may, it may be worth coming back after the apology and saying, Hey, I think it would be important for us to sit down and talk about our budget or to talk about our, you know, our, our system for tracking it. If we need to do the Dave Ramsey envelope plan, um, that would be really helpful to me. You know, we can, we can get into the practical troubleshooting things, but a lot of times people will come to that negotiating table or come to that collaboration space only after apology has been made. It, it feels like it's, it's going to be worth their time only after that. So yeah. um, offer that if you can.
I think it's important to recognize here as we wrap up this episode that apologizing is never easy, right? It's hard to face an error that I made, a way that I failed someone. And so try to think about um, how you feel when you are offered a heartfelt apology, right? Think about how that feels. We want to be able to offer that to the people that we love and we care about. And maybe, I mean, as a little bit of a challenge before we go off and wrap up this episode, maybe think about who you might need to apologize to. Right. I automatically get that like cringy feeling when I think about that. But but that's the way it is. Right. Like I said, apologizing is not easy. It might be time to practice. So we appreciate y'all listening. If you want to connect with us more, you can find us on Facebook or at patwardcounseling.com or TarynCooper.com. Taryn with a Y. See you next time.